Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. It was the Sunday um, right before the first day of seventh grade. And um, I was going into eighth grade, but the mother of Jerry Denham, a seventh grader, came up to me and said, Jerry feels like he doesn't have a friend in the world. And those words just penetrated my heart. I'm like, oh. And I felt bad for him. You know, he was starting, seventh grade was the, you know, right out of elementary school, seventh grade started, and, you know, his mom's caring about him. He's going to start school, and he, he, he feels like he doesn't have a friend in the world. And confessing, I didn't do anything about it. I just was like, oh, that's too bad, and I, I don't even remember what I did. But, um, you know, what I did do is I thought in my head, I felt the exact same way the first day of seventh grade. I didn't feel like I knew anybody, and I was terrified to go to seventh grade and really scared. And I was thinking as, I'm, as I was preparing our message this morning, anybody ever, well, first of all, anybody ever feel like that? You know, maybe even feel like that today. That's a, that's a pretty lousy feeling to feel like you don't have a friend in the world. And the very first person, Adam, actually felt like that too. You know, God created him, gave him a job, Sit, you know, I don't know if he sat down, I'll just make this part up. Sit down and name the animals as they, as they go by. He sees something swinging in a tree. Oh, that's a monkey. Sees this thing with the long neck. That's a giraffe. Oh, that's an elephant. He's, and he's watching these animals and naming them. And, you know, we, we, by studying scripture, Genesis 2, it says, you know, there's none of them like him. You know, he's, maybe they're walking by in pairs and he's like, I'm the only one here. And God says... It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. And everything he'd made, he said, was good. It's not good for man to be alone. And so then God creates Eve, and then Adam is woken up, and he's like, yes, bone of my bone. You know, this one's like me. I like this one. And he was so excited. And it was such a great um, change from being lonely to being with um, Eve. And we look at Adam and Eve a lot, and we think, you know, and we should talk a lot about marriage, but really at the core of that, we're talking about friendship, relationship. It's not just, you know, a man and a woman. That, that's what the case was there. But then he, he said, go and multiply, you know, so there would be lots of people and more relationship, more relationship. Our culture often promotes individualism and competition. Those are high ideals, certainly in our, in our culture. And, and I got to thinking, I'm like, what if... This is the kind of pastor you got, I'm sorry. But what if when Eve was created, Adam was like, she's going to hog all the fruit? What if she starts naming animals? <laughs> what if she's sleeping in the good spot by the stream? You know, it, you know that would be ridiculous. Competition, individualism. I'm so glad. I, I'm assuming that didn't happen. Maybe that happened after the fall. But um, that's not what happened. Eve was created for a relationship. They were, it, was, it was a good thing. It was resolving some of that lonely issue there. And yet, we find ourselves in a culture where that's the case, where we feel lonely, where we've experienced loneliness, where a person like Jerry is going into a big deal, seventh grade, junior high, without a friend in the world. 
And at times, we also feel like that. Now, we're in a leadership series. We're talking about trusting leadership. And we've talked about just the whole concept of as a leader is supposed to be influencing the group towards God's purposes. And we do that first and foremost by a friendship with God. You've got to be friends with God in order to lead, like to do what he's called us to do. But right after that, after you're being friends with God, he calls us to be friends with one another. And that's what we'll look at today. Leaders don't lead in isolation. That's, just, that's not the way it works. We lead together. We, we lead, there's a plurality. There's a group. We do this together in isolation. Um, loneliness, you know, they say it's lonely at the top. There's a lot of burdens of being a leader. There's, there's a heavy mantle that you carry as a leader. Loneliness ought not be one of those. Right? Even though the, the, the circumstances can push towards that, we don't need to have that. Um, let's pray. God, um, first off, I love the fact that you noticed loneliness and did something about it. Forgive us for living in isolation. You love community and you're relational. You want relationship with us, but you also want for us to have relationship with one another. You don't just keep us to yourselves. You share us. You want us to love you by loving others. Show us the way today. Also what comes to mind is people are lonely. There's, I'm sure there's lonely people in here today. I know there's lonely people outside of our church. Would you comfort them? First and foremost with your spirit, the comforter. But may your spirit direct us and empower us to care for the lonely, to be friends, to be friendly. And teach us as leaders in the church, teach our leaders to be friendly and friends with one another. And teach us this morning from your word. In Christ's name, amen. This is a topic, I'm probably going to be saying this every Sunday, like, like um, Yvette was saying, oh, I love this scripture. There's, there's, I wouldn't be preaching about it if I didn't enjoy it, and, um, but I definitely love this stuff on leadership, and I love this, this topic of relational leadership. We don't lead just out of task or just out of position. I'll get to that a little bit later, but a big portion of leadership is, um, like I said, it's not done in isolation. Leadership is not done in isolation. That's your first feeling if you're, if you're taking notes. Um, first and foremost, the example that we see is God is three persons. Leadership is not done, and he's the, he's the a supreme example is, is um, God is three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God is one, and yet God is three persons. And you ever read that book, um, The Shack? Pretty difficult book in lots of ways. But one of the things I really, really loved about that book, and there was all kind of maybe even heresy things in it that were like, I don't know if that's theologically correct, but it did do a great job of painting a picture of the Trinity and how they interacted with each other. They had kind of different personalities and different roles, and, and they had this kind of like, I don't know if it said this in the book, but I got the idea that they kind of had a smirk on their face, like they kind of, like Joe was talking about, like, you know, with Dave, the bass player, like we kind of know each other's business, we know what's going on. The Trinity is like that that they are in step, in sync, and Jesus says, I don't do anything apart from talking with my Father. And I'm like, anything? 
couldn't, and he'd kind of probably just probably, why would I? It's a joy. It's delightful. So God's our example of leadership is not done in isolation because God is three persons, and together they work together, and they enjoy each other. And it's out of this overflow of their fellowship that God created. It's like, there's so much love here, it's got to be more to go around. And, and I'm going to create beings, humans, in my image. And that's, that's where people came out. And then he said, go and multiply. I want more and more and more. It's just, this is how God's love, it's, it's expansive, it's overflowing. Messy in a good way. Right? So, so that's the, the whole concept of relationship. It's, it's expanding. You know, I remember when, I'll, I won't get ahead of myself. Stick to the points here. Um, God calls us. He didn't just make Adam and Eve and say, okay, that, now he's not lonely anymore. He said, what? Be fruitful and multiply. I want more of you, more relationships. See, more kids and more kids and more people. It's kind of like a, a math problem. Like, it's exponentially growing. You know, if there's three people, there's how many potential relationships? If there's 10 people, how many potential relationships that you can have? It just gets crazy. It, it gets um, divine. My mind can't handle that. How God can know everybody and how these people can have relationships with it, it starts to be, I'll stop talking. But that's a divine quality, this overflow. More relationship is possible if we're fruitful and we multiply. And did you think of this? Even Jesus wanted friends. Even Jesus wanted a friend. He could have just come here and done his task, but his task was with people, with and for and through, ultimately through people. He chose the 12. He befriended, catch this, he befriended tax collectors. And we think, oh, that's fine. Tax collectors were the worst. He befriended prostitutes. Befriended. Befriended lepers, unclean. Don't even touch them. Don't go near him. He was closest friends with James and Peter and John. I'll share that a little bit later too. You see, Jesus' mission was given to his friends. Remember we talked about a definition of friendship was, is you kind of share the same mindset, share the same heart, share the same will. And it was once they were, you know, right at the end of Jesus' life, he pronounced his disciples friends. In a sense, he's saying, you guys get it. You get what, I, what I'm about, who I am. Now go and do what I've been doing. That's really what was happening there. Jesus' mission was given to his friends. And so listen to the thing that he said right before he left. This is what we have to hear. And it's actually one of the few places in the Bible where it's specifically written to us as well, not just written to them and then we in, uh, apply it to ourselves. But John 17, verses 20 to 23, this is a passage that Jesus is talking about us as well as disciples. Parting words, he's saying this. Okay, since you're friends, this is what I'm calling you to do. Verse uh, 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me, that's us, through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you've given me, I've given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Be one, catch this, be one. Let's all be collectively one. Why? So that, it says there a couple times, so that 
the world would know Jesus is who he says he is, God's son, and that, that people would not only know Jesus, but that they'd know God's love for them. So these passages are saying, and John 13, 35 before that says, they'll know you're my followers if you have love for one another. So our call, if we're to do Jesus' mission, if we're a friend of Jesus, we've been singing we're friends with God, if we're friends with God, we would do what he's been doing when Jesus was here, and we would carry on his mission, and his mission is going to be fulfilled through us loving each other. Get that? So if we love each other, it validates the message. And people, if people see us loving each other, if we're unified, if we're of the same mind, heart, and spirit, and we're, gonna, we're like, okay, we're going to do what Jesus called to do, people will know that Jesus is who he says he is, and people will believe that God loves them. Jesus is saying that. That's the deal. Okay, so this makes sense. How do we be one? We're supposed to love each other. What does that mean? I need that broken down. If someone, if my mom, I remember when we were little kids, brother and sisters, and she said, you guys need to love each other. What does that mean? You know, love is this general, you know, thing up in the sky. Well, just happen to have a really good scripture we should look at for that. Colossians 3, 13 and 14. Unity. How do we get unity, this, this, this concept? How are we as a church? I mean, we have a diverse group of people here. How do we experience and have this unity? Because we want people to know Jesus, and we want people to know that God loves them. So how are we one? Jesus was praying for this for his disciples. He's praying for us. Those that are going to believe, that's us. We believe. How are we one? So Colossians 3, 13 and 14, let me just read that, and then I'll break that down for us. It'll make a lot of sense. Uh, it's in Colossians 3 where, um, where Paul's telling us to put on this new self and put on these different attributes, and he gets to verse 13 and he says, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So again, in your notes, look at those. The first one, how do we have unity? The Greek word there is aneko menoi, bear with one another. Bear with one another. That means giving grace, hanging in there, cutting some slack, being patient. Uh, I thought about you know, spending a lot more time on this word. I think we know what it means. You ever have to put up with somebody? <laughs> the picture that comes to my mind, and I've shared this before, again, when I was a kid, we would have breakfast together and we'd grab the cereal boxes so we didn't have to watch the other person slop their cereal all over their face and listen to us. We'd make these little barricades at our kitchen table, bearing with one another, right? Do what I got to do to survive being around my siblings. It's not a great picture, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do, right? But... I know this living in a family, I know this being in a church, you don't get along wildly, easily with everybody. And Scripture's telling us, hey, just, just relax a little bit. Cut each other some slack. If something bugs you, maybe even just step back a little bit, bite your tongue, you know, put up with each other. I think that's okay. You know, we don't have to point out every single wrong. We don't have to point out everything that bugs us or, or raise our hand and we don't like it. Like, just... Just give each other some space, cut each other some slack. That's what bearing with one another is. And, and there's, a, there's a place for that, you know? 
We all have to do that. I'm not talking about right or wrongs. I'm just talking about preferences. Make room for one another's preferences. The second one, karizo minoi, forgive. Forgive. So if someone's got something, if there's something actually wrong, forgive one another. And the, the word forgive there is talking about, you know, the biggest picture is like you've trapped something, maybe a bird in a snare or a fish on a hook. And when someone's done something wrong against you, they're tangled up like that. And the call from God, because God has forgiven you, right? We have no grounds to not forgive somebody. In fact, it's poison to you if you don't. But take the hook out and freely release them. Take the cage, open it up, and let the bird out. Let the person fly away. I had this experience yesterday with my son Isaac. I won't go into the story. He did something that wasn't great, and we, we sorted it out, and then he walked away. Then he came back, and he said, Dad, do you forgive me? And I said, I always do. But he, he, he made a point, and I, he said, oh, thanks, and he, he walked away. And I thought, he needed to know that the hook was out that I wasn't going to yank it on it again 20 minutes later or a day later and say, remember that, you know, which I do sometimes. Maybe that's why he came back and asked me. How do we have unity? We bear with one another. We forgive one another. And then we agape. We love one another. Jesus tells us the top love there is is when you lay down your life for your friend. It's the greatest love. It's agape love. It's sacrificial love. It's the kind of love that Jesus did. Jesus literally laid down his life. Sacrificial God-type love. It's not something that we do naturally. It's supernatural that we love one another. So when it comes to unity, this is our call as a church. This is what we do as leaders. This is what we do. Everybody that's a follower of Christ, we bear with one another, hang in there, give each other some space. We forgive one another, and then we sacrificially love one another. That's the call. We do that. People will know Jesus. People will know that God loves them. That's our call as a church. So let's get real practical. Um, I mentioned this at the start. Leaders, first and foremost, got to be friends with God. Nominating committee, you know this. Don't ever put a person in leadership at our church that is not friends with God. I'm not saying perfect, but has a deep, um, solid, intimate relationship with the Lord. Because we got to hear God if we're going to lead, influence our church towards God's purposes. Friends with God can hear God. That's first and foremost. That's the highest form. Again, I've told you I studied this um, for my doctorate. The highest form of leadership is spiritual leadership, where, you, where someone senses they've heard from God, I want to follow them because God is the supreme authority. So the highest form of leadership, spiritual leadership. Second highest form of leadership is relational authority. I know they care about me, so I'm willing to follow them. So first, I know they know God. Second, I know they love me, so I'm willing to follow them. So it's a relational authority. Super important that leaders um, not only are friends with each other, but friends with the group that they're leading with. Friends like relationally caring for them. It's the second highest form. And then the, the third form is positional leadership. I'm, insert your title here, therefore you must do what I'm calling you to do. It's not a bad form, it's just the lowest form, right? A bad form of leadership authority would be coercion. I'm going to hit you with this stick if you don't do what I tell you to do. That's actually a bad form, and it's even lower. We will never do that in this church. Amen? <laughs> um, 
so those are the forms, spiritual authority, relational authority, and positional authority. They all work. There's, there's a time and place for each one. They usually work together. Um, did you know the first assignment for a deacon in this church, a new deacon? The first assignment. They found this out, the new deacons uh, found this out in December. The first assignment is they come to a home with the deacons that are currently on the board, and some of those are, are we're finishing up their terms, some are going to keep going, and we have a dinner at a house to celebrate the year as deacons. And the new deacons come to that, that's their first assignment, come to a party. I want to be a deacon, that sounds great. We come to a party, and you know what we do? We affirm the deacons that are going out, thank you for being this way, we see these qualities in you, we have a, we have a great time eating great food. And we even share some things like, hey, here's some tips to being a deacon, just as part of the conversation. But the whole night is basically having a good time. I think we give some, some funny gifts to it, you know, like a white elephant gift kind of time and just have a really good time. And that's by design. One, is just good to celebrate service, but it's by design to invite the new deacons into this community of relationship. Our first deacon meeting for this new group is Tuesday night. And I've been in a bunch of these first, you know, January deacon meetings. And the first one's, it's the worst one. People don't, I mean, they know each other. Everyone's, they're not cold, but it's kind of a little bit awkward. The group doesn't know how to work well together yet. And, you know, they got to elect a chair and do all that stuff. It's fine. The meeting will go fine. And we'll do the essential things we need to do. But as you go, you start to build relationship and you start to work together. It's like Joe and Dave. You start to get the rhythm together. You start working together. It's because of the relationship. Because you're praying together more and more. You're checking in. One of the things we do at every single meeting, leadership meeting, the start of the meeting, besides you know, opening in prayer and, and settling down a little bit, is each person goes around the table and says, How, check in whatever you want to share personally, spiritually. What, what, how's it going? How can we pray for you? What are you excited about? What's challenging you? And you want to know that people care for you. And that sometimes takes a long time. It's invaluable because then you're working in relationship and you're not just doing the task you know, first and foremost, we follow God, so we do spend a lot of time praying. We do, we do look to what he's called us to do and what he's about, but we also want to know how each other's doing, and then we also get to the business. There's certain tasks that you just have to do. You get to do. That's, that's by design, and has been very, very fruitful here at High Street, as I've seen leaders time and time again drop their guard and be themselves, and that's, um, it's produce a good culture. It's how you can disagree with someone if you know they care about you. It's how you can step up and share a different opinion that hasn't been shared yet when there's community. So I'm, I'm excited to say that that's going on and we'll continue to, to shoot for that to be better and better. Um, unity, and I've kind of hinted at this, unity is not uniformity. Unity is not un uniformity. And I'm talking specifically about leadership too here, our pastoral leadership team, the team that meets with me and helps me um, discern things in my role, and it's the group that we want to help have lead our church spiritually. Um, they're different people. It's a wide variety of different backgrounds. People, now, there, there's a, a commonality of maturity in Christ and a commonality of giftedness of leadership. Um, our deacons, if you look at our deacon, I'd love to have them up here, stand here, and like, look how different they are, and ask them, you know, their backgrounds, and their, it's a good thing to have that variety. You hear different perspectives, right? You have different, sometimes different values on things. Um, but here's the thing they all have in common. When I say it's 
Unity, not uniformity, is we all want to have, this is super key as leaders, this is why it's so important to listen to God, we all want to have God's perspective. See, we bring in our perspective and we share it, but we all are after God's perspective. God, what do you want to do in this situation? What are you calling us to? You see that? That makes the difference. You're supposed to bring in yourself. In fact, that's one of the things we always tell you know, new deacons. Sometimes it's tempting to be, oh, I'm the new person, and maybe if they haven't ever served before, they sit there and they're going to be quiet. And, and you know, typically you do, you do want to watch more, but, it's, but we say, if you don't share what's on your heart or what you're thinking, then we're less than. Especially if there's something that you're like, I don't if you're uneasy, you really got to share it. If it's redundant, you can use your own wisdom there. But everybody's got to play a part because we're trusting that this is a group that God has brought together and he's brought you specifically to share your thoughts and your heart and your questions. Make sense? Yeah. I like that. Um, I was teaching this not just for the benefit of us to understand and agree that relational connection is highly important on a leadership team. I also have a heart for our church, whether you're serving in a leadership role or not. And the topic of friendship, I'm going to bring before you a couple models, and I want to teach you so that you'd learn more about friendship, but I want you to apply it and think, how am I doing? Especially if there's a lack in your life, you're like, oh, I could use some more friends like this. I want you to look at these models and say, who are my friends? How do I go about becoming a better friend? How do I get more friends? Does that make sense? I think that's so important, especially as God continues to raise up leaders in our church, that he wants healthy people, and a healthy person has a good um, support system of friends. So if you look in your notes, there's a couple of models that I just want to explain through, and um, I'm teaching you so you'll understand, but I would love for you to even scribble names in there that would be true for you, names of people that would be friends in your life. So the first model is this Jesus' circle of intimacy, Again, look in your notes and see um, it's this, this one right here with these circles that get bigger and bigger and bigger. And Jesus models, remember I said Jesus wanted friends? Jesus models these circles of intimacy. So outside of his circle or the biggest circle, if there's a giant circle, would be the crowds. Crowds and crowds of people. He interacted with the crowds. He healed them. He taught them. He did all kinds of stuff with the crowds. Um, but they were, they were in the largest circle of his life that he interacted with people. Then the crowd gets a little bit smaller, and you'd say the 70 people, the people that he sent out, they're kind of community. When I think of the 70, I think of this group right here. This is my 70. This is a group of people that I know. I know probably everybody in here, and to some level, some I know better than others, but this is a group where we're, we're a body, we're a community, and we're going to do stuff together. And there's an intimacy we have because we worship at least once a week together, and I might see you some of you in meetings and otherwise. So that's, that's a smaller group, and Jesus had that, a group that they were doing ministry and being together in that kind of community. Then he had a smaller circle, the 12. The 12 disciples that, that he focused on, put, poured his lives into, um, they were the ones that were becoming friends, that, that they knew his heart, they knew his will, and they knew his mind. And then he had an even smaller circle, and this is the disciples Peter, James, and John. And the mark of them, there's a number of instances where it's just them. But do you remember the transfiguration where Jesus went up on the mountain and he started glowing and there was Moses and Elijah and Peter's like, we sang about it. Peter's like, hey, let's make a sweet shack up here. And Jesus is like, you don't get it. What was going on there, among, among other things, is Jesus was being himself. 
He was revealing, he was like being himself, showing himself to these three close friends. He was showing them his divinity, which is usually kind of covered up. He was like, just giving them a glimpse, I'm God. Oh! And they're like, oh my gosh. You know, I think that's pretty amazing that Jesus would take the initiative to show them who he was, who he really was. That, that's one of the takeaways, I think, from the transfiguration is Jesus being um, vulnerable and showing who he was with those three friends. So those are the circles of intimacy. And as I go through a couple of these models, I want you to just, like I said, and, and maybe you don't do it now, maybe you do it later, but scribble some names in there. Who are my three? Who are the 12 in my life? Who's my 70? How do I interact with the crowd? And if you're like me, at different stages of your life, you're healthier or you're more full, and other stages you're, you're lacking. That's okay. The question is, what are you going to do about it, or what can you do about it? We'll get to that at the very end. So it's important to just check. How, how are my circles of intimacy? Have I not revealed myself? Do I just keep people outside in the outer circles? Right? That's, that's what you know, Jesus is, is modeling here, and that's the call. If, if we don't want to be lonely, we share ourselves. That's what Adam did with Eve. The next one I want us to look at is the friendship continuum. That's at the bottom of your notes. And this one was, uh, this is help for me, helpful for me to, uh, to, to kind of get this picture. And what that is, is Jesus took, um, I don't know, three, four years to develop these relationships. He didn't just call his disciples and then call them friends. He called his disciples and he spent a ton of time with them and then they became friends. In fact, um, Philip, this is pretty funny actually, there's a few funny things in scripture, it's funny to me. In John 14, Philip, um, Jesus had just said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and we have seen him. And then Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. And Jesus like, I just told you. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long? Like, we've been friends for a long time, buddy. And you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Were the other disciples laughing? Like, yeah, he's such an idiot. Why didn't you know that? Or maybe like a year later. Remember that time, Philip, you asked him to see the Father after he just said he was the Father? I don't know. But Jesus is kind of rebuking him like, We've spent this time together. That's the point. We've spent time. You've seen me. I have not hidden myself from you. I've not hidden the fact of my relationship with the Father. And he rebukes, rebukes Philip. I think Philip got it. This continuum um, goes from just a contact where you just meet somebody and you accept them as a person to an acquaintance where you maybe have it says there are fun times. And what's growing here, if you're looking at this continuum, especially you math people, you'll like this, is there's a growth in trust. You're trusting the person. In fact, that will, that will put a real halt to the continuum if someone um, betrays your trust a bunch of times, you're not going to get closer with them. If you can't reconcile that, you'll stop. You'll, you'll say, okay, this is as far along this continuum. This is as far along the number lines you're going to get because I don't trust you. And you can tell that, and some people can still remain untrustworthy, and then, unfortunately, that puts a governor on it, and that's it. But the point of a friendship is that you're growing in trust. 
And so as you're looking at your life and you start putting names on who are contacts, don't write down contacts, it'd be way too many. But you're going to write down acquaintances, trusted brother or sister, close friend where there's confidentiality. You're writing names in there. If there's a lack of names towards the end, and you shouldn't have too many. Remember the circles, Jesus just had three in there. But if you're not finding them, it might be that you don't have trust with people. So that might be an area of growth for you. Or you continually get burned by trusting too much. That's an area that you have to sort out. It's like trust is such a core issue in friendship. That's why we can have a great relationship with God because he's fully 100% trustworthy. He just is. Um, so look through that, that, um, that process of, of becoming friends through this continuum. I came across this. I've read this to you once before. It was an article in The Atlantic. It's, it's pretty funny, but it's, it's instructive. So what should you do if your social life is lacking? Here, too, the research. They've done a scientific study. A bunch of them have been done. To begin with, don't dismiss the humble acquaintance. So it says, hey, start with the people that you just meet. Even interacting with people from whom one who has weak social ties, so you hardly know them, it has meaningful influence on well-being. So like, you can be moderately healthy if you just interact with people that you're meeting, that are acquaintances. Then it says this, beyond that, building deeper friendships may be largely a matter of putting in time. So if you're, if you're here and you're like, oh, I just, I don't have the relationships that I want to have, the research even says it, and, and Jesus' example says it takes time. A recent study out of the University of Kansas found that it takes, here's where we get really nerdy, it takes 50 hours of socializing to go from acquaintance to casual friends. So as you go up to someone, just click the timer and then keep track and then you can announce when you're, <laughs> don't do that, that will hurt your friendship. An additional 40 hours to become a real friend, and a total of 200 hours to become a close friend. This is just what research says. I'm sure you can do it faster. Um, Maybe in some cases it takes slower, but research, you know how research works. We just look at the examples and see what's going on. If you want to be friends, it takes a long time. If you want to be close friends, it takes even longer. Super close friends, even longer, because trust takes time. It just takes time. It also takes vulnerability and and opening up, stuff like that. But we need to hear that sometimes, like, oh, this is going to take time. And then I'll end us with three real specific things that we can do to grow relationships. First one, uh, and some of these I got, have you ever read the book uh, Friendship Factor? It's from the 70s. Really good book. It's not probably, I don't know if it's out of print, but if you want it, I have it. You can borrow it if it's a growth area for you. Uh, First one is pray. Pray. Who noticed loneliness first? God. Who did something about it? Who can do something about it? God. Go to your heavenly father. Ask him for something. He's not going to give you a snake, right? When you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. Those are the things. Our heavenly father loves to bless us. So it's making it a high priority when you say, God, I want some friends. I need more friends. I need more of these kinds of friends. First and foremost, and regularly, go to God and ask for that. Um, second one is if you want friends, you want relationship, and, and Eric McCall gave me this one this week, serve. He, he, he had this, this um, statement down cold. He says, if you want friends, get in a ministry that, that, that um, you can fit in and serve hard for six months. I was like, oh, six months. Serve hard for six months, and after six months, look to your left and look to your right, and you'll see some friends. 
Those are people that you'll connect with. I'm like, that's brilliant advice. And I've, it's been true in my life. It's been true in my life. So if you're like, I want to build some friendships, get in there and serve. And then look to your left and your right. And then specifically, I would encourage you to do this. These, these things have served me well in my life. Ask people questions. Ask questions. And then don't just ask it and get to the next question. Really listen. One of the most loving things you can do to somebody is listen to them. And they'll feel loved. And guess what they'll want to do? They'll want to love you back. They'll want to listen back to you. And when you're listened to, it feels great to be listened to because you feel loved. Another thing, and, and people tend to be like this. They're great listeners, but they hold their cards close to their chest. Or they're great talkers, and they don't listen well. So I don't know which one you are, but think of that and say, okay, I talk a lot. I should focus on being a good listener. Or if you're a listener, are you really sharing? It could be a lopsided friendship if you're just um, listening all the time but not really sharing. You know what I mean by sharing? You get that thing in your gut, and you're like, should I tell them this? They might reject me or they might think I'm X, Y, Z. And we know that the more, now, now there's a time to overshare. Don't do that. I mean, there, there's, there's a place we do that. But what I'm talking about here is in your gut, you're like, I want to be vulnerable. And sometimes you will be rejected. Sometimes it, it, I can't promise it'll always happen. But most of the time, I know it's been true in my life, when people confess stuff or they're sharing stuff, you're drawn closer to them. You respect them more. You're like, wow, that took a lot of guts to share that. And there's an, a, maybe even an attraction when people are vulnerable. And so maybe you need to listen more. Maybe you need to share more. And that's a form and one of the best pathways to becoming closer friends. And then the, the last thing under this would be encourage. This is a really helpful tool, is when you see something good in somebody, just shout it out. Man, you're so helpful. Boy, you have, you have a great sense of style. You are quite an artist. How did you figure that out? You're really smart. These kinds of things, they can be innocuous and, and maybe seem small to you. We don't get it. We all could use more encouragement, but one of the ways to be an attractive person where you'll get more friends, but also to really more so to be a friend is just call out greatness. I see this in your life. And that's a way to really build friendships. Let's pray. Father, first I, um, I pray for our church here. I know when, when visitors come here, they feel welcomed in, probably because we ask questions and we, we care. Help us to be a friendly church to each other, to new folks, to our communities where we live. May we listen well, may we share well, may we encourage well. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.